The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I am your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Thank you for being with me. And I just just realized I have uh, Peggy McGuire here from the Women's Cancer Resource Center. Just realized that the lead-in music is by uh, Michaela, who will be doing a benefit for the center uh, in February. So I just put those two in the same part of my brain. So that's very exciting to, to look forward to. So I am here with Peggy McGuire. Peggy joined the staff of the Women's Cancer Resource Center, or WCRC as we all like to call it, as executive director in 2005. Founded in 1986, WCRC's staff and volunteers provide case management, high-intensity cancer navigation, information and referral, community resources, support groups, psychotherapy, financial assistance, in-home support, cancer and wellness education, and targeted outreach to underserved communities. All services are offered free of charge. Peggy is a nonprofit leader motivated by a deep commitment to this sector as a vehicle for social change. She served on Rosalind Carter's staff during the Carter administration and has held leadership positions at Kaiser Permanente, Golden Gate University, Leadership High School, and the Ronald McDonald House of San Francisco. Says Peggy, in working with people facing prolonged illness, grief, death, and dying, I've witnessed the profound personal healing made possible by engagement in a community of support. Beautiful statement. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's great to talk with you today. Oh, I'm very excited. And and you know I would be because, of course, WCRC is really close to my heart. My my wife was one of the founders, Joanne Garrett. And um, the listeners just should know that I'm very involved with the center still. Um, she died in 1995, but I've, I've been continu- not continuously, but on and off involved and very involved right now running a support group and running the the continuing education program. So um, I'm really happy to be able to ch- share a wonderful place with my listeners. It's a wonderful organization, as you know, Cheryl. I do know that. I want you to fill in, uh, We I just gave the headlines on what the center does, which is a mighty bunch of stuff when you put it all together, isn't it? Um, would you Would you give people a picture of the center, how it works, how people access you? Just kind of uh, uh, bring us into what the center feels like, I guess. Oh, that's, that's a great question. Well, 
Our, today, uh, WCRC provides an, an array of programs designed to help our clients cope with the physical and emotional changes caused by diagnosis, treatment, and the challenges of living with or caring for someone with cancer. And to that end, we offer uh, information and referral to community resources. Look at, you know, the, the programs that you described at the top of the show, uh, case management, uh, uh, emergency financial assistance. We offer in-home support, psychotherapy, um, um, outreach to underserved communities, wellness programs. Uh, and these are programs that have uh, been developed over the 30 years we've, we've been operating thanks to entrepreneurial, uh, charismatic, uh, determined women who saw gaps in service in our communities and saw the suffering of the women in their lives and wanted to do something about it. And so here we are 30 years, uh, 30 years later, um, a, a vibrant and an essential part of the East Bay community. When you walk into WCRC, you're immediately greeted uh, by a friendly volunteer or a helpful staff person who will take you to whichever office you need, um, make sure that you're greeted with a, a warm cup of tea or a glass of water. Um, there's the, the walls are decorated with beautiful art. Uh, we maintain an art gallery here, uh, and the, the next show that's coming up is part of the Art of Living Black, and the title of the show is Black Lives Matter. So what we do is we go all out to make this as non-institutional but as homey and welcoming and safe an environment as we can possibly provide. I, I can speak to that because, of course, I'm in the group room every week for my women with cancer group, and um, there's there's a lively little um, warm debate over who's going to be in the in the lean back chair <laughs> with their legs up, which person most needs it that particular week, um, and of course, all the other seats are very comfortable too. But I I always get a smile, um, just you know, my feet really do hurt today. I really need that. (laughs) I love it. It's great. It's so cozy. And I think that does support the services too. It makes a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think that beauty is a social justice issue, quite frankly. And we Mm -hmm. have gone to great lengths to make this the center shine um, so that people get not only practical and emotional support, but a level, level of spiritual support as well. Now, I know you're searchable, and that's how a lot of people find services, but of course not all. Uh, how do people typically find you? Well, we have a that? website. We have a website, www.wcrc.org, and then we also encourage people to get in contact with us through our information and referral helpline, and I am pulling that number out right now because, and that number is uh, 510-420-7900. But frankly, the most powerful way people learn about us is through word of mouth. If you're somebody who's received services here and gotten the support you needed and you share that information with your family and friends and colleagues at work, uh, that's how most people come to us. Mm. I, I've also been um, fascinated coming coming back more heartily into the, the center recently, you know, uh, my my uh, historical memory is about women with cancer not finding services and so creating the center. 
basically. Um, but now I, I've uh, noticed that uh, quite a few staff members and group leaders at the center were clients and now become the center uh supporters, you know, the people who offer the services. And I think that's very special, too. I agree. Uh, Go ahead. Our board president, Cheyenne Reese, is a breast cancer survivor uh, who became part of our sister-to-sister support group. Uh, It's a program we offer to African-American women um, and offers uh, education, emotional support, and uh, an annual retreat. And uh, so Cheyenne was part of that program. And then as um, a, after she completed treatment, a year out of treatment, um, joined us as a volunteer in our community health advocate program. And our community health advocates are um, from the various and di- very diverse communities we serve. And these are women who we train, um, and these women are frequently cancer survivors and former caregivers, and we train them um, to bring forth forward messages about the importance of self-care, early detection, um, and screening, as well as to provide emotional support uh, to women who've been diagnosed. And after the training, our, our volunteers carry these messages out in the communities where they live, they work, they worship, where they're raising their children, where they're going to school. Um, and it, we have found it to be an extremely effective way of getting information out into the community. Because we do look to our friends for our resources, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, uh, some people will go search and find something that way. But certainly many of us would ask our friends first. Yeah. So, therefore, the, most, the more people know, the better, huh? The more That's people right. Use. That's right. It's geometric. And- And our um, targeted service populations are low-income women, women women who've traditionally suffered from a lack of access to health care resources. And and in underserved communities, particularly the Latino and African-American communities where we have to date focused our efforts, there's a lot of, um, a lack lack of trust in the medical system. Um, There are clearly major barriers to be overcome, and it's, it's our job to help mediate that and, and um, decrease those barriers. Yes, I did want to uh, ask about that some because uh, I would take it from the fact that you have dedicated programs that you believe or the center believes that having dedicated safe uh, spaces uh, is important. Yes. Uh, and I wondered if you could talk about what, what goal that serves, what's important about it from the center's perspective. I'm glad you asked that question. We recently received funding, um, for a partnership initiative with the cancer support community in Contra Costa County. Uh, We are going to be organizing the East County Center for Cancer Support. And, we, we are uh, in the process of locating um, a building uh, to house this program, but we've made, in approaching this funder, we made a very strong case about the importance of creating a sense of place, a mm. place where there is continuity, where there are, um, the, 
faces you recognize when you come, um, and where you're, you know, you're in a place in your community where, that's easy to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are really important things for us to keep in mind. I've th- I thought a lot uh, in just in preparing to t- for our talk today about uh, the importance I felt of ha- having dedicated lesbian spaces when I was young. Yes, uh, uh, there's something about being having one difference eliminated. Yes, <laughs> that that does help, and I'm assuming that's part of of having things like sister to sister and Latino services um, that there's a sense of comfort or um, commonality that helps. That helps. No problem. That helps those conversations about cancer to happen. Would that be fair to say? That's absolutely correct. Um, We find that in times of crisis, it's essential for women to be supported by other women who speak their language, come from their culture. Um, The food that we serve is really important, um, making sure that that that's culturally appropriate. Uh, those, Those considerations can make the difference between someone hearing what needs to be heard and not hearing it at all. When I came back into the center... I was I was struck by two things: the way it felt the same, and the way it felt different. Um, it, it felt the same in that it was a supportive place where people were offering help in a in a very difficult, cancer focused time, and it felt different because of the many new programs. And so, you know, in one way, it felt as if that was an outgrowth of the original vision. And in other ways, it felt as if there were some new directions. And I wondered how you thought about that, whether uh, the original mission of the center included those programs that, of course, didn't exist when it was, you know, three volunteers, (laughs) Uh, or whether somehow the vision has and the mission have broadened over time. Clearly, the scope of services has uh, broadened over time. When our founders came together in 1986, there were virtually no services available to women facing cancer. There was no helpline. There were virtually no support groups. There certainly wasn't in-home support or uh, cancer education classes. And so we have, over time, identified those needs. And as I said earlier in the conversation, brilliant entrepreneurial women have shown up with program ideas and and determination and come in and gotten them started. I think that's so important as a a general principle of maybe any project or business, but definitely nonprofits. It's sort of of a grow or die uh, yeah. feeling, isn't it? Uh, you, ha- you have to keep envisioning where you're going uh, while, while doing what you're doing. It's interesting you say that, Cheryl, because it's never been my amb- I don't have a manifest destiny ambition for WCRC. It's always been my hope that we would tape- take the work deeper. Mm-hmm. And, and to that end, it's not that we 
How do I put this? Yes, the, the, the number of programs we offer have expanded, but the work that we're doing in training our volunteers and educating our staff and holding community dialogues, um, it's, it's about affecting change, real change in our communities. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where our founder's vision has been most powerful for us. And and are you? I obviously you're talking about change in uh, the cancer community. You know ways that women and and their uh, surrounding family and community can come together and change together. But are you also talking about the medical community? Well, in the years that since WCRC was founded, the, the, the world has changed dramatically in terms of how medical care is offered. Um, and obviously we have the Affordable Care Act in place now, which obviously, makes an yeah. enormous difference. So the entire landscape of healthcare has changed during this period of time. And one of the things that we work really hard to do is stay in close communication with our colleagues at our local medical centers, Alameda Health Systems, Altabate Summits, Kaiser Permanente. Um, and through that, that's, that's how I keep abreast of what's going on in uh, the medical world. It seems like there is a, be- a, a different or better sense of collaboration uh, between you and the existing medical organizations uh, more than there was when it started. Uh, I, I would almost say that when WCRC started, it was as an alternative, <laughs> you know, to the ways that people were feeling alienated. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there, there was some... Um, you know, kind of reviewing of doctors. Uh, but other than that, there wasn't much uh, interaction between the center and the medical community, as I remember it. And well, see, today we receive the bulk of our referrals from social workers at local medical centers. And so that that requires us to stay in constant communication with them. I mean, basically, we are supporting their patients, so we're mm-hmm. in very close communication always. And that seems seems so wonderful to me that, especially in terms of the clients feeling a sense of bringing the principles of WCRC into their treatment and really uh, feeling the connection between those two and being able to use what they learn in relating to their healthcare uh, workers. And it also, I mean, it, 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 there's, we get to be partners in healthcare with our clients, but also because we are not part of any particular medical care system, uh, we're, you know, we're a standalone, freestanding um, building. Um, people can come, women can come here, and they can talk about the care that they're receiving without any fear of reprisal or that they're, mm. they'll, they'll hurt their provider's feelings in some way. And I think that's really important. Essential, yeah. I've I've noticed that in my groups that that's a big focus of conversation. It's time for our first break. Um, that flew by. Uh, when we come back, I'd really I'd like to talk about the continuing education program, just because that's a new and slightly different program, and I want I certainly want my listeners to hear about it. And uh, also, how uh, you know. It's an unusual career you've had, and, I, and I'm really curious how you got to it, you know, how, how uh, you in particular came to working with cancer. So 
We'll, we'll talk about those two things when we come back. Listeners, in these few minutes, be sure to go to my host page, goodgrief at voiceamerica.com. Uh, for links to all my social media, you can email me from there. You can call into the station and leave me a message. You can find my website. And to find Peggy McGuire and the center, go to wcrc.org. your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness if you think you've seen online tv before let us surprise you voiceamerica.tv is online now the leader in live internet talk radio has done it again multiple channels a state-of-the-art viewing experience live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day it's exactly what you want when you want it voiceamerica.tv from health and wellness to business sports and everything in between discover our new world visit voiceamerica.tv now and experience the future of online television voiceamerica.tv We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I'm here with Peggy McGuire, the Executive Director of the Women's Cancer Resource Center, which offers support information and referral, healthcare navigation, and training to women with cancer, their families, and community. Well, Peggy, I want to talk about this this program that uh, we started in the fall uh, at WCRC Fall 2014, the Continuing Education Program, and I and I really want to publicly thank you for, uh, on behalf of the center, but I feel you personally really went out on a limb to endorse that program enthusiastically from the start, and um, it's sometimes so hard to get things started, uh, you know, as you know. I, I feel that was just such a wonderful gift to the community that you were so um, um, supportive 
and endorsing of that program. So thank you for that. You are so welcome. It is such a gift to be able to work in an organization where yes is your best default position. <laughs> that is not always true of nonprofits, though, because, uh, you know, it's usually, you usually have limited resources and um, uh, a lot to get through to start something. So I think it is, it is extraordinary. Well, we have extraordinary women putting these programs together. Hmm. Well, let's let's share with the listeners a little of what the program's about. Um, uh, it it really came out of uh, uh, you know. I remember when we were having lunch that day, and you said, "What do you think would be great to have at the center?" And I didn't even realize I'd been thinking about this, but I said, uh, "We need to train therapists to work better with people with cancer." And you were kind of, "Yes, let's do that." <laughs> you know. I don't think I actually thought that out. It just, you know how sometimes something just comes out of your mouth and then you go, yeah, that's, I, I agree with what I just said. Uh, well, so, it's a powerful insight. Well, and it's a powerful uh, experience on my part of, you know, I get exposed to so many people who have had experiences of, um, uh Lack of knowledge in the in the psychotherapy community, which which is interesting because of course if you're a psychotherapist for long enough you are bound to work with someone who's ill, you know it's just a given. One of your clients will get ill, or um, you know someone will come to you uh, with that with that issue. But I don't find that pe- there's much. I was even looking on some of the continuing education sites. Uh, and they have nothing about grief, for instance. Uh, very little about grief, very little about illness. So um, I'm really happy we're doing this. Well, I think what we are providing is something that the, should extend to other organizations working with other diseases. Because when I look at the array of offerings you've provided, um, it's not all cancer-focused. I mean, and I don't want to jump into to this before you're ready to talk about it, but... Go but, right ahead. <laughs> well, you know, you started the, or we started the program in the fall of 2014 with uh, Cancer 101 for therapists, and that's where you learn about the biology and the psychosocial impact of cancer, correct? Yes, and mostly the biology. That's the most cancer discrete. Uh, one of the ten, I feel, yeah. uh, b- because it's a big. Th- when you go in w- as someone with cancer or someone loving someone with cancer, you're full of medical descriptions, and if the if the uh, therapist has never been exposed to any of that, it's a real disconnect. That's correct. So that's why we started there for sure. And then, and then the subsequent trainings um, included continuity of care, emotional and ethical issues in end of life treatment. Certainly, that's education we can all use. Um, following that was illness as loss, grieving the loss of health. Uh, that was then followed by illness, grief, loss, and the holidays. That was your December, the December uh, workshop. Mm-hmm. And then in, on January 24th, we'll have supporting the caregiver in therapy. Um, and then launching in the spring of 2015 uh, will be the second part of the series where we'll focus on the emotional and spiritual aspects of the cancer experience. Uh, yes, and and um, it's been 
you know, very fascinating that uh, I'd say maybe half the people coming to the to the workshops really feel the lack of knowledge in this area. And the other half are very knowledgeable and want community, want further knowledge, want to go further. And that's such a rich dialogue. How uh, do people's personal experience figure into it? Are, are these, many of the therapists dealing with family members? Well, several, several of the people who've participated ongoingly have actually had cancer uh-huh. uh, and are therapists. Um, some have, many have, uh, you know, had family members or clients in that circumstance. And some work professionally with cancer, uh, either at hospitals or, um, you know, therapeutic provider programs that, that work with, with cancer. So it's a, it's a vast array. And, of course, I can't say about the online participants, um, that's a that's a whole we we have quite a number and hopefully there will be more and more people uh accessing the workshops online i uh, find have, that incredibly exciting so do i that you as you know we kind of added that uh uh as a brainstorm because people were asking for it so we've we have done it since the beginning so everything we've already done can be accessed online and everything we'll be doing for the rest of the year can. Uh, I, that's a whole new world for me. That's just thrilling. Well, we live in a, a hurried and complex society, you know, and so to have the option of, of doing this learning at home or at your desk at work, I, th- I think that's brilliant. Well, and also at the time when you can actually do it, uh, the flexibility of that, I think, is the big reason people... Uh, access it online uh they can do it you know after they get off of work in the evening um Mm -hmm. and and we should definitely mention that because wcrc has such a a good reputation we added a a competency certificate uh, for people who take all 10 workshops and there's a discounted uh fee for all 10 too so we're really trying to you know uh, facilitate pe- people being able to get the most training training possible. That's exciting. It's very exciting. And um, if people are interested, uh, they can get more information off of our website at wcrc.org slash CEU. And, and register there as well. Yeah. There's a registration pro- process that, well, there as well. I, what I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, in terms of the program is uh, my realization, which happened very late in the game, that that it's a little bit different uh, than s- most of the other things the center does, in the sense that uh, many of the people we train will not. You've you've always done a lot of volunteer training, but those people will, for sure, work with center clients, and the therapists in this program, many of them will not. Uh, many of them will take that learning out into the community. Uh, and, of course, that's uh, not hard to put together with the mission, but I did notice it's a little different than what uh, the center's done in the past. That's correct. 
Um, it, however, it's consistent with the way we operate. When you think about um, our volunteers who go through the training and commit to provide um, X hours of service for however long they commit, and when they complete that service, they, they have that experience and that knowledge that they can carry forward into the rest of their lives. So I think that with the therapists who we are providing training to, that not only will it benefit the uh, clients they have with cancer, but any kind of disease, um, as well as caregivers, and, and that will extend through the course of their careers as well. And so I, you know, our tagline is community, compassion, and change. So mm-hmm. programs like this drive the change. Excellent uh, uh, piece of the puzzle I hadn't quite put put together there. Um, I, I think also some of the therapists have already expressed interest in volunteering at the center. I hope and, so. <laughs> and so, I, you know, uh, that means that, for instance, the free therapy program, which we didn't talk about uh, specifically, but you have a program where you offer low-income women 12 free sessions, and the way that works is the therapists volunteer their time, correct? That's correct. And it's an incredibly powerful and important program uh, because it enables us in many case, cases to help stabilize a woman so that she can then enter and remain in treatment and take advantage of the other services that we have to offer to her. And the other thing uh, I think is powerful about it is that um, there's a creative tension about therapy uh, for me anyway, that it tends to be very expensive. And so often the people that really need that kind of support and assistance and witness don't get it. That's correct. <laughs> Just and, because and I, of the cost. It's so obvious. It's so, it, it's so a part of who we are. I fail to state it. But all of our services are free of charge. Uh, Except for the continuing education program, I have to throw that in. That's correct. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) All your services to to cancer uh, clients, I guess. um, But that would include the family services and the community programs that are open to the community at large. Is that right? That's correct. Can you say a few of the... uh, Give people an idea of some of the community programs that you, you've done. Oh, sure. Well, the pro- primary way um, people access our services through our information and referral helplines, uh, and currently those are staffed by volunteers who are English and Spanish speaking, and this year we're seeking to expand our language capacity. Uh, we have an in-home practical support program. I think I, I think I misspoke the question. Oh, I was sorry. talking. That's all right. I was talking about things like community dialogues and uh, cooking lessons oh, and yoga, okay. and you know your the the community presentations. I guess is a better word. You do a lot of those. I've noticed since I've been back. As I mentioned, our our tagline is community, compassion, and change. And we strive to bring women together um, because of just the enormous healing opportunities that 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 manifest when you bring a group of women together who are sharing their stories and their experiences. Um, It's just incredibly powerful. Yeah, and... um, uh, 
you know, I I know about the art programs because I see I see them up on the walls, the art exhibits. Uh, the the one you had recently, all of the felt baskets was mm-hmm. totally amazing. I'm looking yeah. forward very much to the next one as well. Yeah, we we main, as I mentioned earlier, we maintain an art gallery, um, and the next show is titled "Black Lives: Art and Justice Matter," and we're going to hold a uh, reception on January the thirtieth, where you'll get to meet the various artists who've contributed art, um, as well as live music to be provided by Melanie Demore uh, and spoken word by Jezebel Delilah X. And Both addition, amazing artists. Oh, incredible. The show's up right now, and, and it's awesome, awesomely powerful. And here in Oakland, California, that's, that's just um, anything that is coming out of um, a very painful loss experience of, of, the, um, of Ferguson and, and Staten Island. And, um, you know, there have been, as you know, so many demonstrations out here. And this is another res- community response. And I think it's wonderful the center can, can host that. Yeah, I'm I'm thrilled that we're doing it. Uh, we also hold community dialogues here, um, and the purpose of those is to bring our community together, our clients, our volunteers, our community partners, to talk about issues that um, concern all of us. For example, uh, early on we had a community dialogue when the National Preventive Task Force released the new mammography screening guidelines. Mm. Uh, we were we were able to bring together folks from the task force as well as uh, UCSF, Comprehensive Cancer Center, Breast Cancer Action, and really talk about uh, what these guidelines mean to the communities we serve. That's great because it can be so incredibly difficult to wade through that information. I'm I'm very informed about cancer, and I still find it overwhelming when some new thing comes out. Right. To to decipher where I ought to stand about it, it's it's very confusing. And the way that information was released um, through the media, I think a, a really important part of the message was missed by most people, and that was that those guidelines refer to women who are not at risk. And in our community, virtually all of the women that we work with are at risk. <laughs> so it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. 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 We've also had um, community dialogues on the Affordable Care Act so that women can be educated about what they're entitled to and where they can get it um, and where they can get support in getting their health benefits. Um, It's a wonderful opportunity to hear the various voices in our community. That's fantastic. Maybe someday those can be streamed so that people elsewhere can can listen in. <laughs> that, that is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those ideas. <laughs> yeah, I was just, it's just the most dreaded out. words at, at WCRC. I have an idea. <laughs> We're ready for our second break, and I want to encourage the listeners: go like my Facebook page, so you so my uh, wonderful guests 
of this radio show pop up in your feed. Follow me on Twitter. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I've learned how to do all that stuff so that we can connect. I've been touched so much by the contact I've had with members of this Good Grief community, so keep that up. And please also get to know the Women's Cancer Resource Center at wcrc.org and the Continuing Education Program at wcrc.org slash CEU. Back after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Peggy McGuire about the Women's Cancer Resource Center, where she's the executive director, offering services to women with cancer and their families and community. And one thing that I've really learned doing this show, Peggy, is... um, when you when you feel a calling to something, there's always, not always, there's often a loss underneath. Uh, there's a reason we're willing to take on such big stuff like women with cancer. And uh, you've been doing a beautiful job, I think, of sharing the center with people. And I wonder, what do you think uh, prepared you to work in a field that a lot of people would run away from, uh, that involves grief, that involves loss, uh, that involves fear because cancer is fearful sometimes. You know, it involves some big, some big stuff. What, yes. what, what leans you towards such things? Um, sometimes I, Cheryl, sometimes I feel like grief is my first language. Uh, my two youngest brothers had cystic fibrosis, 
and although my remaining brother and I escaped the disease, um, until the genetic trait was identified, um, we, we did not know if we were carriers or not. Um, and I don't know if you know much about cystic fibrosis, but... I know that it used to be, uh, uh, wasn't it universally terminal? And the life expectancy, my my, uh, two brothers, uh, uh, George was born in 1958 when CF was a little-known disease um, and was repeatedly misdiagnosed for the first four years of his life, and he died before his sixth birthday. Um, Three years later, Joe was born, and he looked enough like George to pass for his twin. Uh, He was a great kid with curly red hair and freckles and um, (laughs) a very Irish temper. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that connotes a lot (laughs) (laughs) and so I grew up in a family um, where um, issues of prolonged illness grief, death and dying were always present Um, my brothers my my second brother lived until um, I was I was 24 years old so I was into my adulthood um, and had had seen the impact of the illness on uh, my family and um, basically have crafted a career to try to understand the things I witnessed as a young person um, and to not only to understand but to figure out how to help families um, in a way that means that they don't have to deal with these things alone. That you know, that's such a common story, um, and and I think it's important uh, more universally than just about you because um, you aren't, for instance, working with the cystic fibrosis uh, organization, and right. yet that experience is so intrinsic to the way you're working with this organization. You know, it, there's not always a direct line, but it's in there, isn't it? Well, and I think that my life experience, like, so when I hear a good idea like you offer, Cheryl, I resonate with it because I know it's going to make a difference. So that's what brings, brings your passion then. Exactly. And I moved out to the Bay Area in 1981 um, after spending four years working for Rosalind Carter. Um, and as you can imagine, I was pretty much terminally unemployable in my hometown of Washington, D.C. when the Reagan administration came. <laughs> Not the best place to be living after that. <laughs> so I, I moved to the Bay Area and my first job was with the Shanti Project, which at that point in time was a, a Berkeley-based grief uh, counseling agency for terminally ill individuals and their families. And so um, I... I jumped into that work and um, um, became a volunteer and ultimately their executive director. But what I wanted to say is that the training that I took, what, 30 years ago there, set the course for my entire career um, because what that training and um, sought to do was to help people understand that grief is a part of life. And it, it, in, in our culture, we have medicalized um, um, illness so much that you know we're not we're not having our family members necessarily die in our homes. We, we we've tried to sanitize end of life and, and distance ourselves from it, and and really it it's something that 
I, I firmly believe, can create the ongoing music in your life. Well, that's, that's, uh, you're speaking my language there, create the ongoing music in our lives, <laughs> since grief and music are affiliated for me, so that's why that touches me so much. Um, so, I guess the other thing I've been thinking about a lot is just how lifelong a transformative experience that has to do with loss can be. I was talking to Stephen Levine, the great teacher on on death and dying, uh, once, and he said, my grandmother died when I was young, and they wouldn't let me go to the funeral, and I've been trying to prove I can handle it ever since. Uh, <laughs> He, yeah. he was he was probably sixty five at that point, and very similar to the statement that you made, uh, you know, about deciphering this experience you had young, over a lifetime, really, and 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 uh, having a great calling to help others, maybe in a way you weren't quite helped. I have the feeling. I yes, I I I. Um, I how to put this? I think early in my career, I was motivated to see that siblings of terminally ill children got support. Um, but then I got some support for myself and realized that was not, not the cause <laughs> I was going to invest my, my, my life in. But I really think that my work is a tribute to my parents. Um, I, I'm fortunate to have been born into a middle-class professional family. My dad was a, a lawyer, uh, so we... We had health insurance, but, you know, back in, in the, th- those days, Blue Cross Blue Shield covered 80% of my brother's medical expenses, which could total as much of a mi- as a million dollars a year. And so catastrophic um, um, medical expenses created enormous economic stress, to say nothing of the emotional stress of caring for a um, seriously ill child. It just changes it changes everything. Not to mention, you're not having the same sort of childhood your peers are having, which can be a very alienating kind of experience out in school and brownies and whatever else you're doing too. That's absolutely true. I went um, my brother Joe's or George's funeral. Um, I was in a Catholic school, I was a grade school at the time, and when uh, we walked in the church to my brother's funeral and my entire parochial school was seated there, and I, I have never felt such horror in my life <laughs> because at that age, you want to be like people. You don't want to be the one who's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that made us different, mm-hmm, for sure. So now we know something. I'm I'm really glad we got a chance to talk a little bit about what what fuels you, because that's a tremendous fuel you're talking about. And I think that also might be involved in. I I would describe you as kind of a um, a, a practical visionary or a practical dreamer. Uh, you seem to have those two things going on together, which uh, is helpful because you get things done as well as having profound dreams. And I know we've talked about some of your dreams for the center, which I, which I have to think because of that practical piece might happen. <laughs> so I wonder if you can share some of what, what you envision in the future uh, to, to uh, continue to you know, put 
put the mission of the center out in the community. Thank you for acknowledging the importance of pragmatism and compassion because I realized how important those characteristics were to me uh, when I was working in a summer camp for kids with muscular dystrophy a couple of years after my brother died. And I heard two of the little girls talking about their hospitalizations and, and they were talking about how much more fortunate they felt than the kids with cystic fibrosis. And that was when I realized how pragmatic and compassionate these young people were and how important, how much I wanted to embody that as well. Mm-hmm. So speaking of great dreams for WCRC, we have a number. Uh, we are in the process of launching a capital campaign. Uh, we have outgrown our building, our mm-hmm. space, and which is, is incredible and exciting um, and and. I am so thrilled at the response that we're getting from the community. So uh, I anticipate that we will be in a new building in the next year. We're also planning to launch a navigation institute, uh, and that's why I'm so grateful to the work that you're doing on the CEU program and the, you know, the continuing education program. Uh, the, all of the services that we offer fall under the umbrella of high-intensity cancer navigation. And what cancer navigation is about is removing the barriers to care that people encounter uh, when seeking treatment. And those can be financial, they can be uh, cultural, uh, they can be any number of things. And what we want to do is increase the human resources in our community that can help people navigate our healthcare system. And so I'm hoping to get that training up and running in, in 2015, by, in the fall, uh, in collaboration with the Smith Center for Healing and the Arts in Washington, D.C. And so would that, uh, would that go beyond the Bay Area potentially, or would you be sur- doing that within a Bay Area context? We're going to do it, um, we're going to launch within a Bay Area context. We'll do it here in the Bay Area. And then um, as I learn more about the technology you all are using for the continuing education program, I think we can look at um, some long online applications as well. But that's more in the future. My, what I want to do here in, in the communities we serve is increase the number of, of people who are skilled at, at navigating people through our healthcare system and providing them with emotional support as well. You know, I, th- I think uh, that's just, I, I think that's a life and death issue, to be honest, Peggy, because I I've, I, I've run into so many people who just cannot, don't have the emotional or physical strength to navigate themselves. And if they don't have the money either, uh, I have met a number of women um, who just want to give up. You know, it's kind of easier to die than... That breaks my heart. I, it breaks mine too. Uh, I, when I meet someone in that circumstance, I actually do cry when I leave them because uh, it's, it's such an outgrowth of the way things are set up at the moment. And yet I just can envision it not being that way. And well, what you're doing uh, offers the beginning of a way for it not to be that way. 
I profoundly believe that we will not realize the full potential of the Affordable Care Act unless organizations like WCRC step up and provide community support. I mean, money is so tight these days, and in in our healthcare systems, I mean, there there are not enough resources for primary care, let mm-hmm. alone the the resources for psychosocial support. You know, the enabling services within the healthcare system, and so yes. those are going to have to come from organizations like WCRC, and they're going to have to come from people in the community. And speaking of the community, I, I want people to, you're, you've got a, a benefit coming up, you've got community programs, you've got a lot of ways that listeners, tip, mostly in the Bay Area, but, but also beyond that, can be involved. So please go to wcrc.org to find out about everything the center's doing. Peggy, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm, I've been especially happy to share this particular organization because I love it and it's close to my heart. So thank you. Well, let's have lunch soon and cook up some more ideas. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Next week, I'll be talking with Marilyn Ababio, an expert in end-of-life planning who developed and works with a county hospice program called Getting the Most Out of Life. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. (laughs) 